Hi gang, before Ghostly goes on hiatus and we write the new format, I do have three stories that I've had banked for a while that I wanted to share with you before, you know, before I'm, before this podcast essentially goes to bed for about three months while I, while I write the new stories. And the first one I want to tell you about comes from Trenton, New Jersey. Actually, this is a real case of mine when I was an official ghost hunter. And it came from across, uh, as you got folks in Jersey and Pennsylvania, you got, forgive me, I forgot the name of it. <laughs> it's right across the river, not far from Philadelphia in Bucks County. The town is called Yardley, Pennsylvania. And I had a friend that lived in this house. So let me give you a little, little tale. Um, I've changed the name of the, of the client in question. Her name in the story is Megan. And she asked that I changed it. Um, she has since moved out of the house, as if you want to follow up for it. But this is their story. And spoiler alert, I give it away right away <laughs> in, the, in the article. But here we go. I'll call this one Trenton Ghost Story. But remember, it's in Yardley, Pennsylvania. But a single mother with a special needs child fights a malevolent spirit attached to an antique. Megan says, I never expected a bell could have an evil ghost, which I will say a lot of people wouldn't think about a bell having a spirit attached to it, especially a malevolent spirit, right? So most haunted objects tend to be mirrors, dolls, jewelry, and furniture, things used by the previous owner. But any household item could be cursed or used in black magic rituals, according to the book Haunted Objects by Christopher Balzano. In early November 2014, her youngest son received a Civil War-era bell from a family friend. Uh, the family gave the bell to Megan's younger son when they moved, and apparently the family never knew it had a malevolent spirit attached to it. Haunted objects can lay dormant for weeks, months, and longer. If there's no disturbance, the owner will never know about its paranormal nature, and many times, moving the object to a new place will trigger it. Megan says, in our case, the first supernatural activity started about two weeks after my son got it. At first, chairs started to move around our den, and even more and stronger activity started to happen as time went on. The haunting lasted for a six-week period between early November and mid-December. So Megan continues, About a month after the bell arrived, the most dangerous activity happened. Whatever the spirit was, it shoved my son and knocked him down. It also smashed the wooden chairs in the den and threw cutlery around the kitchen. And I will say, she sent me pictures of this. You could see the kitchen, living room area, it was a combined room, was trashed uh, <laughs> by the activity on this ghost, or by this ghost. Megan continues, At first, I thought we had a poltergeist created by Chris. He fit the category because he's a young teen, at the time he was 13, and he has Asperger's syndrome. That combination of youth and mental agitation could generate psychokinetic activity like a poltergeist, according to researcher Lloyd Auerbach. Now, Megan continued to document the activity, and then she contacted me for help, and this was when Ghostly Activities was a team in Chicago. We put together a timeline of events, as well as the characteristics of the poltergeist. And so this is me um, counseling her. And at first, it did look like a poltergeist haunting, but the activity builds slowly with the poltergeist, 
That's true, it's usually you don't flip the on switch for a poltergeist. It's little things over months to a year just keep developing. It's not sudden or abrupt by any means, and the spirit's activity was too intense and fast. That made me believe the family had a haunted object in their home. So Megan, along with ghostly activities, traced the events and their timing back to the Bell's arrival. And then I had Megan use a compass to detect strange magnetic activity and use a digital recorder to capture EVP. Now, when Megan took the compass, and I used a compass because they've been around forever, and a ghost, if there was a ghost, would recognize it, a lot of times we have to think about, you hear about K2 meters and Mel meters, you see them on the ghost hunting shows. That's newer technology. If you were a ghost and you saw some crazy whiz bang that like beeps and lights up, that's going to look like the devil's work, okay? <laughs> so use something that a ghost might recognize. Um, and so she took this compass and was moving around the house. And when she got to the bell, the compass's needle spun out of control which is a dead giveaway, something's a haunted object. She also got an EVP that said, need home. So what I did uh, as part of Ghostly Activities, I sent her to one of my articles on haunted objects and remedies. And she followed the instructions, use spiritual cleansing and salt to neutralize the bell. And then she took it to a cemetery and buried it there. Since that happened, they have not had any problems with ghosts in that house. So as I like to say, always check the history of antiques before bringing them into your home. I think <laughs> we know why. Uh, because they could come with a ghostly hitchhiker attached to them. So that was a true story. Uh, it's more of a ghost hunting story, but I thought it lent itself well to this situation. So the next story is I have another true story for my friend Celine, and this is while she was having her first kid. And she received an ominous message. I don't know what you, you know, listen in. Uh, I'm not sure what to call the spirit, but in Celine's own words, it was, I remember it to this day. I was eight months pregnant with my first son, and it just seemed like a nightmare, but I was awake. So Celine and her husband, Dick, had recently moved into a new home in Blue Island, Illinois. And this was in the winter of 1991. She says, It was a Sunday, Saturday afternoon, and my in-laws were visiting, and I'd been cooking and keeping conversation with them all day. I was tired, so I went to the bedroom to lie down, and that's when I felt the cold on my belly. It seemed like I had closed my eyes for a few minutes, but this cold feeling woke me up, and when I looked up, I saw it. It was a beat hovering right over her and reaching down to her stomach. Celine continues, It looked like a statue, a Greek-type statue, gray like marble and had an expressionless face. I couldn't see its eyes because they were blank. Its fingers were scraping at my belly. It felt like ice chips were melting on me. So Celine screamed, and the being vanished. Her husband and mother-in-law rushed into the room, um, and... Celine said it was just a bad dream, but she thought it was some kind of warning about the baby. And when she went in to, deli to deliver him, it returned. So Celine continues, I had a very difficult delivery. 
The doctors thought my baby would die. His umbilical cord wrapped around his neck and was strangling him. And that being was in the room. I could see it standing in the corner and it still had that expressionless face. But this time it was staring at Mark, my newborn son. So Mark wasn't breathing after he was delivered and he was just as gray as that being waiting in the room. Celine never saw it move towards him, though. Instead, it just waited patiently as the doc doctors and nurses fought to save Mark. And Celine says, as soon as Mark took his first breath, it disappeared. I don't know if it was my mind telling me something was wrong or something else. The thought of it still gives me the chills. Thankfully, my other two pregnancies were normal. Both were healthy boys. That's true. Um, the other two kids she had, no problems <laughs> whatsoever. So, you know, that's interesting. I, I don't know. I, I think it, it's a warning sign myself. And that it may not, I wouldn't count it as a ghost per se. But it was definitely some kind of entity. And who knows? I, I you know I've never had kids, so I'm not familiar with the drugs that you can be on. I don't know if you would hallucinate. Anxiety would do this to you. Ladies, feel free to let me know on Ghost and Monsters, the website where the story's hosted. Um, just go there and search for Blue Island. It should pop right up with the internal search. Leave a comment or send me an email about it. But I do have one more story for you. And this one is also a Celine story. So Celine is a bit size sensitive and she gets guests from time to time. <laughs> like this entity. Uh, it's always helped very well with our ghost hunting adventures. I will tell you this. Celine was a founding member of Ghostly Activities too. Uh, this was back in Chicago before I moved out west. So one last tale. And this will be the last one before I'll say Ghostly Activities goes on hiatus to come back in its new format. Which if you haven't heard, uh, if you listen to the podcast, it's going to transform more to stories like Ghosts of Ravensdale, Resurrection Mary, and Adela Langer, which are dark history tales wrapped in a ghost story. Um, so I would say think of it as lore with a campfire tale attached to it. If you listen to podcasts, the Lord podcast. Here we go. Another Celine story. And this is an encounter with a, a former lover. So I'll just say, call this one New Lennox Ghost Story. And the subline is a past love leaves a surprising message for a suburban mother. The day started out like any other weekday for the suburban mother. She made breakfast for her teenagers and sent them off to school. However, this usual day took an unusual turn when Celine received a call from her friend, Colleen. A few minutes into the conversation, Celine heard knocks against her wall. And that was odd because her neighbors had left for the day. Colleen, who's a psychic medium, then told her a presence was with her. Colleen said, do you know someone named Rob? And Celine froze when she heard this. Rob had been her lover. He died a year before she met Colleen. And over the next 10 minutes, Colleen delivered personal information to Celine, information only she would know. Colleen said Rob wanted to leave and he had a message for her, but he didn't like communicating through a medium. Rob was a very private person in life and this seemed like an intrusion. He told Celine, via Colleen, that she made the right decision by not contacting his family and she should move on with her life. 
Rob also acknowledged his own actions led to his death. And this encounter made Celine cry, understandably, and she thanked Colleen, and she went to take a shower. She was feeling a little oogie after this. I can understand why. But the encounter hadn't ended yet. In the shower, Celine could feel a hand gently rest on her back, and the bathroom filled with the smell of cologne, Rob's cologne. And when she got out, she saw a dove, his favorite bird, two handprints on a mirror, and the message said, move on. And then Celine felt a warm sensation and peacefulness roll over her, and the images on the mirror and cologne faded away. So, that was New Lennox Ghost Story. Again, thank you for tuning in to Ghostly Activities. Ghostly is not going away. Ghostly will be back with more of a dark history bent. But of course, I'm still still some ghost stories for you. Okay. <laughs> so thank you very much. Uh, if you didn't know, I have another podcast called Monster Bureau. It is totally 1950s, 60s creature features, Scooby-Doo, you know, fun kind of monster telling. Uh, it's mostly fiction. I do throw in some true monster stories. For example, in Killer Bees, I do have the latest status on Killer Bees in it. But if you're looking for a good old monster romp, you might like that one. So give it a try. If you go out to any of your major uh, podcast players, throw in Monster Bureau as your search term, should pop right up. And with that, folks, thank you very much for tuning into Ghostly Activities. And I'll be back in about three months with the first story um, in the new revised format. So I appreciate you listening. Take care, folks. <laughs>